There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 20th, 2008. I always ask the newcomers to look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. We can find lots of previous shows which help put together this massive, massive jigsaw puzzle we call reality, and to show you where we're going, how we're getting pushed there, and I name many of the organizations that work together and believe me there's many many more that none of us know about because they don't appear to the public there, there is a government here a global government system with a very wise men as they call them who control the future of the world and you have the final okay and the say as to what happens next and we are living through tremendous times times of amalgamations just like business takeovers only this time as countries and continents into a world system and we're all living through it also look into Alan Watt sentient sentinel.eu and download transcripts in the various languages of Europe and you can print them up and pass them to your friends as I say we're, we're going through tremendous changes to a controlled society and it didn't just start recently this has been going on for a long time long before 9-11 the big changes started in earnest in the 20th century with the necessity, as many of the writers called it, for world wars. World wars tend to amalgamate countries in conflict at the very end, a form of synthesis because compromise is needed between warring factions. And those who rule the world go by what they call the law of nature. In nature, they marked off the seasons, and the opposing seasons, the actual opposing seasons, work in unison for harmony, for the completion of the circle. So you must have opposing forces. If you understand that there are opposing forces in nature, then you can bring them on and speed them up and cause them to come into conflict. Through conflict and strife, they create the agenda. They also call it their struggle. Sometimes they'll say, my struggle, like Hitler said. And this is a term that's even used in the skull and bone society. They struggle, they cause the struggle. And if you look into the doctrine of socialism and Marxism and Leninism, they wrote extensively about this technique that was necessary to bring on the changes. In other words, since they all believe in evolution to begin with, uh, then they could speed up evolution towards this utopia by causing the conflicts and out of the conflicts as I say you have compromise and synthesis then you go, and then that synthesis becomes the new thesis that starts the whole thing for the next stage of the changes and that really is what it's all about constant change H.G. Wells who was also a Fabian socialist and the founder of that society and a eugenicist talked about that too 
uh, in his shape of things to come, where at the end, those elite scientists that ruled the world, and that's how it was in his particular vision of it, the scientists, the intellectual elite, would be in charge of the world. And all the little people down below were begging them to stop the changes. It was the changes. Everything changed. Nothing stayed static for a generation to give you a breathing space for what you thought was normalcy. And that's what we're going through today. It's interesting to note that the Premier of Ireland just got his earful from the EU Commission for Europe. Uh, telling him to get his, you know, working boots on and get at it. And they're going to invite a fire anyway, all the other members. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And what a matrix up here in Ontario, because it's been raining here for weeks now. And I don't think it's going to be much of a summer. Mind you, between the breaks in the clouds, you watch them spraying like crazy. And I know the harp's being used big time because you can pick it up on shortwave radio. The signals are very strong. And what they're doing, of course, is hitting the bread baskets of North America, as they have been for quite a few years, with this technique, either drought or flooding, which is right in the treaty that they signed at the United Nations in the 70s that they can actually do that. So it's being done to convince the public that they're causing all the global weather changes. And the media is going all out to, to make sure, through repetition, and the same old faces, telling the same old stuff over and over, that the public are the problem. Now, Joe and Jane Average will believe that because that's all they listen to is television. They're conditioned that way, that the TV is there to do their thinking and their reasoning for them, and that they do accept that. So, unfortunately... Uh, that's why democracy works. The, the, the bulk of the populace will always go the way that the elite want them to go. And then the rest are forced along. That's why they chose this uh, democracy scam. And the mosquitoes are just crazy right now. And I've donated enough blood to nature already. I was out there looking at all the mosquitoes coming towards me. And I thought, I probably fathered billions of these things over the last few years which makes me lord of the flies, I suppose. But all kidding aside, they're going full steam ahead, as I say, using high sciences, the silent weapons for quiet wars. That's what it is. They didn't build all these facilities to photograph and admire, such as harp, and there's many of them across the planet. They built them to use. To use for what? For this purpose. Not for other against other countries necessarily, because the goal, remember, is the whole world. It must be brought under the system. Now, I've been going on about eugenics for a while, because it's a big, important part of this particular elite religion that's been here for a long, long time. And in a major media outlet, the National Post, on the Tuesday, June the 17th, Michael Corrin, who I think is the same Michael Corrin who's also on radio in Toronto, has done an article on eugenics. And I thought, isn't it strange they're telling us now? And someone actually asked me, why are they coming out with this now? 
And I said, well, it's because it's time. They like to mock the victims. They have what they call revelation of the method in the occult. Once they've conditioned you to accept a certain change in culture, they can come out and tell you all about it. It's called revelation of the method. So here's a major mainstream newspaper. Now, it's the same media, remember, that's been around here for 100 years, all this media. They kept quiet about all this during all the changes. They knew all this stuff then. So now it's, to say, it's because it's revelation of the method that's coming out. And it says here, it's by Michael Coram. Uh, and it goes on, it starts off with um, Can West News Service, Tommy Douglas. Tommy Douglas brought the healthcare system for Canada, and all the labor leaders and so on cheered him on, thinking, the great hero. He was shown in the 61 writing, photo aloft and triumphant, and triumphant having been chosen National Dem- Democratic Party leader in Ottawa. And he was one of the main eugenicists. You see, what their whole idea was to bring in nationalized and socialized healthcare systems. And this was written about the League of Nations, if you go back far enough, the precursor of the United Nations. And then it would become an authority over the people because then they would come out and cause crisis in healthcare, etc. We've had 20 years of crisis in healthcare and there's not enough money. There's never enough money in baby boomers, baby boomers and all that nonsense. And then they would start to tell you the solutions. And the solutions are massive abortion. And the solutions are eventually to be into euthanasia, even voluntary euthanasia, but definitely sterilization. So I'll read a bit about this from this article here. An exhibition of the history of those scientific ideas that gave a grimy intellectual veneer to the Nazi genocide opened recently at the Canadian War Museum in Ottawa. The collection centers on eugenics, the notion that humanity can be improved and perfected by selective breeding and the elimination of individuals and groups considered to be undesirable. Entitled Deadly Medicine, Creating the Master Race, it reveals how it was not the thoughtless right-wing thugs as much as writers and scientists, the intellectual elite who led the movement, but he doesn't say that they're also paid to do that, but even higher, very rich men. The exhibit is important, accurate, but regrettably long overdue, well, I'd say. It also fails to stress just how much the socialist left initiated and supported the eugenics campaign, not only in Germany, but in Britain, the US, and the rest of Europe. Playwright George Bernard Shaw, English social, is also a founding member of the Fabian Society, English social democrat leader Sidney Webb, the man who brought health care into Canada, and in Canada, Tommy Douglas, well, Sidney Webb, sorry, was the, the great socialist leader in Britain. He was a very dry, boring bureaucrat. And then Tommy Douglas, in Canada, were just three influential socialists who called, for example, for the mass sterilization of the handicapped. That's the great man who brought us health care in Canada. He wanted mass sterilization of the handicapped. In his master's thesis, The Problems of the Subnormal Family, the now-revered Douglas argued that the mentally and even physically disabled should be sterilized and sent to camps so as not to infect the rest of the population. They always give us our heroes and we applaud them. It is deeply significant that few, if any, of Douglas's left-wing comrades in this country or internationally were surprised or offended by his proposals. Indeed, the early fascism of 1920s Italy, while unsavory and dictatorial, had little connection with social engineering and eugenics. The latter German version of fascism 
was influenced not by ultra-conservatism in southern Europe, but as made clear in the writings of the Nazi ideologues by the Marxist left. And people must realize that the Nazi system in Germany was a socialist movement. Now remember what, too, what uh, I think it was Khrushchev said, uh, that um, communism is only socialism in a hurry. It's both the same, same thing. And Hitler and Stalin made a pact, remember, before World War II, and they actually went into Poland together as comrades to, to divvy it up, divide it, before they turned on each other. But they said they had few differences, few differences in the ideologies, because they were both socialist. I'll continue here. The most vociferous and outspoken of the socialist eugenics or eugenicists was a novelist, H.G. Wells, author of The Time Machine, The War of the Worlds, and The Invisible Man. He argued in best-selling books, such as Anticipations and A Modern Utopia, that the world would collapse, and from this collapse, a new order would emerge. Now, that's true. That's part of the religion of those at the top, because if you fall back enough and you understand it, you can find it all the way back to old Hinduism and Brahmanism. It's all connected. People throughout the world whose minds were adapted to the big-scale conditions of the new time, a natural and informally organized educated class, an unprecedented sort of people, a strict social order would be formed. At the bottom of it would be the base. These were people who had given evidence of a strong, strong anti-social disposition. Now, that can be translated today as being non-politically correct, including the black the brown, the swarthy, the yellow. Christians would also have to go, as well as the handicapped. Wells devoted entire pamphlets to the need of preventing the birth, preventing the procreation, or preventing the existence of the mentally and physically handicapped. This thing, this euthanasia of the weak and the sensual is possible. I have little or no doubt that in the future it will be planned and achieved. He's quite the hypocrite as they all are because he had the three different women, one after the other, and because of his kinky sort of um, uh, techniques he preferred in bed, he made them sign deals, never disclose it to the public. So I think he needed a little bit of spanking. The people of Africa and Asia, he said, simply could never find a place in a modern world controlled by science. Better to do away with the lot. I take it they will have to go, he said of them. Marriage, as it is known, would have to end, but couples could form mutually agreed unions. They would list their desires, diseases, and needs on little cards, and a central authority would decide who was fitted for whom. It's never changed. I keep telling people this agenda is very old. Remember, Wells was recruited and trained in a school by Sir Thomas Huxley, the grandfather of Aldo Huxley. And the school he was trained at was to train authors to write the sort of stuff of predictive programming, which he eventually put out. And they called it the Red Tie School. Each one was given the red tie for revolution. And if you look at what you said here, you don't have your diseases, your desires, and so on, on little cards. Well, that's what it's all about today, as they go after your DNA and all the rest of it. Believe you me. They're just chomping at the bit to get this last bit through. They forbid you from picking a mate. That's what's coming. Population would be rigidly controlled with forced abortion for those who were not of the right class and race. Religion would be banned. Children would be raised in communes and all would be well. 
the old and the ill would naturally have to be done away with, and doctors would be given the authority to decide who had a right to live and who had a duty to die. Well, that's pretty well here now. In Britain and in Canada and quite a few other countries, they list you as soon as you walk in or get carried in uh, for resuscitation or non-resuscitation. If you're important, they will resuscitate you. If you're not, you're allowed to die. Mind you, they'll make a profit off your organs if they're any good. So a lot of this has been already fulfilled, and the reason it's disclosed now is because most folk accept it now. You see, that's the thing. The revelation of the method is done when it has so much done on your mind, you now accept it. I'll continue with a little bit more of this particular article after this break. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, reading an article by Michael Corrin as they reveal a bit of the method, something they kept quiet about. And all this media could have been talking about this for the last 50, 60 or 100 years, but they didn't. And they're telling us now because now you will find young children parting a lot of this stuff and they're all for it because they've been indoctrinated and so are their parents. So you can always tell them after the fact and it makes no difference. Continued article, in the United States socialist writer Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, sounds very nice, Planned Parenthood, but it's about abortion, that's all it is, and the mother of the abortion movement, called for a radical eugenics approach as early as the first years of the 20th century. She wrote of the need for a stern and rigid policy of sterilization and segregation to that grade of population whose progeny is already tainted or whose inheritance is such that objectionable traits may be transmitted to offspring. It is a vicious cycle. Ignorance breeds poverty, and poverty breeds ignorance, and by God to keep us all in ignorance. There is only one cure for both, and that is to stop breeding these things, stop breeding, bringing to birth children whose inheritance cannot be one of health or intelligence, stop bringing into the world children whose parents cannot provide for them, Herein lies the key of civilization. And you understand the usual terms like civilization, and most folk take it for granted. They don't question what is meant by civilization. Civilization, as the ancient Greeks said, is bloody and brutal. That's how you bring people to civilization. You conquer and slaughter and bring in a system. That's what we call civilization. The key of civilization, unlocking the doors of a hell once unimaginable, but now after the Holocaust, Ukrainian genocide, Pol Pot, and males mass slaughter entirely within the grasp of contemporary sensibilities and there's many many more you can add to that and many people have been starved out the American Indians uh, were brutalized out of their culture and that's come out into the courts now in Canada and been admitted to for maybe the first time at least in the west coast history is also clouded by fashion and the whims of the victorious but because some of the most pernicious intellectual criminals of the past century wore red, they've escaped condemnation. It is time for the clouds to clear and the fashions to change. So say they can say this now, now that they've got an awful lot of what they were after. They have the destruction of the family. They have abortion as an alternate means of birth control. And they have pretty well got most of what they wanted. And they were young generation who are 
scientific indoctrination from kindergarten onwards, and they're getting ready to parrot all the stuff about the greening and save the earth and get sterilized and so on. That's why it's coming out now. The same media kept quiet all this time up to the present day. Now we'll, we'll try the callers. We've got Jim in New Mexico. Are you there, Jim? Yeah, hello, Alan. Thank you for taking my call, sir. Yes. I listen to you regularly, and I uh, hope you stay on RBN. I think you're very well suited to this network. Uh, thanks, yeah. Uh, something I've been wanting to ask you, I've been listening to you, you know, very religiously since I've discovered you over the last several oh, months or so, is have you, in your readings, have you ever heard of a book called the Urantia book? I've heard of it, yeah. It's a really interesting book. claims to be the fifth revelation to this world from on high of mm -hmm. epochal significance. And there's one section in the book where they talk about life on a neighboring planet where they paint eugenics as a good thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And since I've read that 30 years ago, it always did make sense to me because coming from the perspective of love, Mm -hmm. You can do good things with science and eugenics, I think. That's the whole key to it. See, all the New Age, and believe you me, that's part of the New Age. There's a plethora of that stuff broke out, and it's all put out by Masons in the 1700s, well financed by the big bankers, to start off, really kick off the New Age movement, and they flooded the market with lots of books like that. But in the books, because you see, your mind is directed by all media, it isn't just a message, it's a direction. And you could read books from a, a hundred different opposing factions and, and come to the conclusion that each one is correct. And yet you say, that's impossible. How can they all be correct if they're all opposing each other and blaming each other? But that's how they're written. And very this is the only one that's made any sense to me, and I've looked into an awful lot of... You know, yeah, but, but you see, that's the whole thing. Part of their whole... They talk about things in reverse, and they use allegories for everything they tell you. Uh, and the high occult is all symbolism and allegories. Do you Knowing, think there is a, a universal eternal spirit that's the source and center of all things, that's mm -hmm. the source of intelligence, the source of even personality, and therefore mm -hmm. pre-person, but... You know what we would call a god, uh, but you know the first source and the center of all things, which mm -hmm. um, yeah, is what God believe. They also believe there are opposites. You might say, like two gods at the top. Well, yeah. In fact, um, the Urantia book explains God as being the source and center, which is the mm -hmm. eternal mystery. But then the one that we can perceive in time and space is a duality, which is a trinity, actually. Yeah, and that, that is the Masonic uh, stuff that they give the lower orders. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the stuff that's published by the public. Yeah. You ever think about that, though? There maybe some truth, some eternal truth to it. Uh, no, because I've studied their, their higher books as well, and to their other versions of what they believe. Uh, you see, this stuff is published for the public to change your way of thinking, to go along with an agenda, uh, and that's predictive programming. It will, be, it will fascinate you. And they'll actually work it out because you're like a computer. They use the right language and the right terminology, and you'll come to their conclusions. This is an old technique. Yes, we'll I'll find out in the sweet by and by. Yeah, after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
Because you can handle the truth. Hi, this is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, which is always steeped in intrigue and has many false mirrors. Have you ever walked into a hall of mirrors at a, a circus or somewhere? And you find there's only one real you, but you have all these reflections. And that's how the world is. And that's how information is put out, too. There's a lot of distortions that, that look like you, very similar. And never mistake them for the real thing, because as I say in the language of the occult and the stuff they publish for the public, it was to create movements in different factions in society, different segments of society. And for every type of personality, they put out books for you. And they'll be very, very convincing. But believe you me, they're just playing you like a puppet. They understand your psychology, and it's aimed right at you. And you'll come to the, the preordained conclusions. You've got to go much, much deeper. And you must always think for yourself. And eventually you start to see the spins and how you're warped off. The image within is called the image within. Imagination. The nation. Imagination. And that's what's used against you, your own, your own particular abilities. Now go to Dan in Kentucky. Hey there, Dan. Hello, Alan. Yes. Um, I was wondering, you talked uh, before about the importance of developing our parietal lobes of the brain and that people uh, need to do that where you use just a fraction of the brain and we just know a fraction of uh, their science in the universe, but yet they say that uh, most genes are junk genes, and I think they're referring to us, but really yeah, that's right. um, they're the junk genes because they're the odd uh, percentage, uh, 6%, as Lobachewski says, but uh, do you think it would help to wake people up if, you know, we turn it around like that because there's that saying that, you know, God doesn't make any junk and, yeah. you know, if people can look at them as a minority and realize that everybody's had an experience with a psychopath in their family or job or something like that, it might help, you know, to, to yeah. wake people up like that. It is. I mean, people really have been passively, quietly conditioned and domesticated uh, through incredible indoctrination, and, and let's be honest, uh, those who were born even, even went through a school system that was already giving them indoctrination. Before radio and television, they had more of a chance to think for themselves. As the average child is plopped in front of that TV set as a babysitter. And if you look at the cartoons even, all the political correctness is in the cartoons already. The greening and, and all that stuff is in the cartoons. So they've had an incredible indoctrination all through their lives. They never sit in silence. They don't know how to reason for themselves. They've been taught to allow experts to reason for them. And you can pick this expert or the other one. I always give you two on opposing sides. And you don't reason through anything. And really, you're just passing your life away. You're just putting time in a prison, you might say, rather than thinking. Thinking is a creative thing. It's a process of creation. Because you are the one that's taking facts and details and going off and exploring with them in your mind. That's a huge, unlimited sphere of, of thought. It's unbounded if you can use it. But most people are quite content to have noise on all the time. And the pathways in your brain develop. This is well understood. Uh, the pathways develop in your brain. 
uh, between different areas and recall and all the rest of it and left and right, etc. And the more you use it, the better it gets. It's like any muscle or any organ. Don't use it and it withers away. And you, you find most folk today don't use more than probably under 10% of their brain, maybe even less now. You know, people um, have trouble thinking that these people are evil like that, and I think most people can't think that way because they're not used to it, and it's almost like ego and evil and the soul or spirit or whatever, the higher part of the matrix you want to call it, are like three separate languages or, or ways to approach things. And, and uh-huh. you know, if you take off psychopaths or sometimes, you know, you can you can confront them or they'll show their true arrogance or whatever, and then people can see what they are. But mm-hmm. uh, I've mentioned this to you before that, you know, it's really hard to get a follow-up to that. You said, you know, you're trying to create human bonding, but, you know, when they're exposed like that, there's such a shock or fear in people that it's really hard to take advantage of on that momentary victory over them. Do you have any ideas about how to do that? And I'll take it off the air, please, and thank you. Yeah. No, people have to just know the basic signs and symptoms of the psychopath and not be afraid to to mention them in company, especially if it's happening at a workplace. Lots of bosses get up there who have psychopathic traits because they're ruthless. That's how you climb up. They don't, they don't have conscience. They don't bother about wiping out competition by any means possible. And they tend to have an ability, they have an innate ability to manipulate others to do everything for them. That's one of the MOs of the psychopath. Uh, they almost can read each personality and find your weak point and exploit it for their own advantage. It's an innate thing with them, instinctive thing. They don't have to sit and think it through. And, uh, but the, the, that's, that's how you educate people about the psychopath is just pointing out basic ten traits or so. And then, of course, once they all understand, there has to be a confrontation with the person involved or even superiors, if, if there are superiors, because the, these people cause mayhem around them. They always say with the psychopath, they're more trouble to those around than to themselves. They, they don't suffer mentally and emotionally as you do in the same way. They don't have guilt over things. Uh, they can have joy when, when they've beaten someone or, or, or worked out a con that's, that's been pulled off. They take tremendous glee from that, like to boast about it. But um, they can't st- another thing they cannot stand is frustration. They want in- instant gratification. And so there's many symptoms that have to be learned and and people have to be educated about it. And you can even recognize it in school and the, the young ones too. They're often pulled out, in fact, and groomed for, for higher positions uh, and often even in the military from school. So we'll go now to Mark from California. Are you there, Mark? Yes. Hi, Alan. How are you? Not so bad. Good. You know, I ran across a book here, The Emergence of the International Business, 1200 to 1800, and it talks about the German Hansa and the Hanseatic League. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if there's a connection between that and the Knights Templar movement emanating in Europe and its connection to Freemasonry. Yeah, well, Germany definitely was run by the Teutonic Knights, and their, their big buildings are all over Germany with their symbols on it and their, uh, and, and their name carved in it. And the Teutonic Knights really... Um, just like the Alambratos of uh, Spain were just the, the, the other factions of the same Knights Templar. Uh, they, kept, uh, they kept their other names. 
and they kept on the go and they worked down through the centuries as a, a sort of landed nobility. So, so they were um, definitely heavily involved in this. And remember too, even from the earliest times of the Templars, when you joined the Templar society, you no longer worked for a nation or belonged to a nation. You were, you were international. Wherever the brotherhood were, uh, that was your world. And if they were all over the world and were in a good part of the world across it at that time, you were already international. And their goal was to bring in a world empire. And yeah. they were the first major bankers. Uh, the Vatican allowed them to eventually use uh, fees, which was just usury. And they didn't have to pay tithes to the Vatican. They were exempt from that. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm seeing in the chapters of this book. It talks about Hanseatic trade, trade mm -hmm. merchants, international business. And one last question. I just got your book, and I found it real interesting, and I found a lot of similarities between that and some of the authors from long ago, Robert Hewitt Brown, Hilton Hotima, Elizabeth Van Buren, and I wondered if they offered uh, like an inspiration for some of your work and some of your illustrations in the book. I've, I've read so many authors in the past uh, that... Uh, I mean, hundreds of books that uh, you get bits from everything, ideas from everyone. And some of them, mind you, are stuck in one particular route. And you have to take little bits of the truth. And, and then, again, that's where your mind comes in. And you can toss it around and compare it to all the other knowledge that you've gained and get a better picture for yourself. But there's no doubt uh, knowledge is something that's so precious uh, and it's being lost today at uh, incredible speed. Um, and it never comes back. Once the last generation go, that's it, it's gone. Um, m most books today are not getting put on disc or, or out there for the Internet, and a lot of them that have been put out there uh, have abridged editions and lots of omissions in them. So uh, knowledge has always been power, and therefore those in power are making sure they're taking stuff off uh, that's now considered politically incorrect or it gives too much of the past away. Only by understanding the past can you possibly understand what's happening today and where it's supposed to go. Because this is an ancient, ancient religion uh, that's been on the go uh, with a plan that it was hatched at the very beginning uh, and with a perfect understanding of humanity and nature and men, women, uh, children and the milestones we go through life. Uh, they understand how to exploit each part of it or even take you over and have you work for them and really believe in it as a cause. Uh, so the, the, they're, we've been the most studied species on the planet. Thanks so much for your comments, Alan. Yeah, thanks for calling. And now we'll go to, uh, is, it, is it Mark in California or is it Z? Z, okay. Go ahead. Hi, Alan. Uh, this is Z from California. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me okay? Sure. All right, great. Uh, yeah, I agree with the last caller, although I don't know the guy. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, your book is quite excellent. And I, I want to say that I just received it the other day, and everybody out there who is uh, getting some extra cash from certain stimulus, quote-unquote, packages should uh, send you some of that cash and uh, buy the book because it's, it's, it's uh, amazing. And thank you very much for writing it. Are you writing anything else right now? Are you working on more um, volumes? Um, if I had more time, I'd get it done, but I've got, I've got, I've got pages all over the place here. And uh, if I just had more time, I could certainly do it. But right here, I'm doing everything on, on my own, including my cooking and, 
and everything else I have to do just to keep the place going. So no, there's not much time that, yeah. for for anything yeah. else. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. Like uh, you know, hard to hardly find time to do the dishes. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, right. And you're also doing all the secretarial work and, and everything that comes along right. with it. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so anyway, buy the book. Uh, predictive programming is another topic you talked many times before. Yeah. Uh, would you would you um, tell me where exactly does the term uh, predictive programming come from? Is that a Tavistock you said institute term? Or who wrote about it first? What's where yeah, can I go they, into the, to dig into it? The behaviorists and the behaviorist school of psychology were the, the first ones. To, uh, admirers of Pavlov actually came out with the term. Uh, first in Russian, and then it went to German, and then English, and then it was borrowed by Tavistock as well, because they understood different ways of programming. And of course, if you want people to end up in a certain pattern of behavior, you you, you start, and they call it predictive programming. So they start at a base and then program you from then on. Uh, it's based also on possibility thinking, which is all through the New Age. Uh, there's another segment or part of it. If uh, if you can convince public that anything's possible, then you let go of all your reasoning and your enthusiasm. And that's why they use motivational counselors to teach positive type thinking. Uh, and they run around the stage like a like a manic person, and uh, and almost these are religious form of deliverance of their message. And the, the audience get hyped up and hyped up. They lose a reasoning power. And what they're, what they're really doing is guiding you into a new way of thinking to, along a certain path, the path they want you to think along. And that's also a form of predictive programming. And then, then they start giving you the messages and how to do this and do that, how you're all powerful. And really what they're teaching you to do is to be a good level psychopath who can manipulate and get your way. <laughs> uh, Alan, this sounds like a, like a very, very ancient thing that's adopted every... every, every um through time, throughout ages, with the new technologies, doesn't it? It seems like they would use the same exact ideas that Tavistock was using back in the day. Yes, in fact, Plato said that that which has been worked on society before and gone along with can always be used again down in the future and will behave in the same way if it's begun and finished in the same sequence of introduction. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty great. Uh, one more last comment, and then I'll hang up and uh, take your answer off the phone. Thank you so much for taking my call, by the way. Um, Hell's Angels, you said that um, uh, at one point in time during your, one of your blurbs, I believe you said something about Hell's Angels actually only starting after the movie um, with, what's the guy's name? Oh, I think it was, was, it, was it Marlon Brando? Yeah. 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 So yeah. could you t- talk about that a little bit, and thank you so much. Okay. Yeah, Hell's Angels really uh, didn't exist until the movie came out and made it suddenly popular for these leather-clad guys uh, with bikes and who push folk around. Uh, but it was based basically on uh, a club that came out of the American Air Force after World War II. And um, uh, some of the pilots started up this particular outlaw-type group. I have no doubt at all it was started high up uh, by the CIA, because um, they, needed, they knew they were going to eventually use drugs big time, as they had in other countries across the world, uh, to bring the populations under. You demoralize the public by introducing drugs, etc. And de- demoralization is, a, is an essential part of destroying the old culture, the old ways. And uh, these pilots, uh, who, some of them, many of whom had been cleared by the CIA, started it. And they do have um, Masonic-type rituals and the fraternity 
uh, logos and all the rest of it in the Hell's Angels. But it, that was what made it popular to bring it out and people emulate what they see in the movies, including the fashion, uh, as Plato said himself, he says that people get their culture from the stage and their fashion and even the terms they use for speech, new terms and even new words. They copy it and movies took over from the stage and that's just the same thing today. That's why Hollywood is so important for guiding the culture along the path we've come, which is this complete demoralization and uh, uh, it's almost a doggy dog type uh, culture we have today. When you're all fighting each other, you're in command of nothing. But the leaders who run the country are now totally in command of you as an individual. So we'll go to Will in Pennsylvania. Are you there, Will? Good evening, Alec. Uh, Alan. Yes. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, they're fictionalizing the truth, brother, and you brought that to my attention big time about you know the predictive programming. I can't seem to find between two ages in PDF form except for one. It's only 124 pages. Isn't that about 324 pa pages or so? Uh, yeah, I think I'd have to check. I think you're right, though. Yeah. And I see, I seen it. You know, it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble for seven dollars, but they're out of it. And other other places, you you see it for three hundred something dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, I called in particular about a guy named Fulford. Uh, you, you know, you talk about people that, that that are sent from Tavistock, IPS, Stanford, and whatnot what to go out into the world and create mysticism. I, I was wondering if you heard of this Fulford guy who yeah. he interviewed Rockefeller, and you think he's one of them. Oh, yeah. If you listen to all the rest of his stuff, too, it, it only intensifies that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, can you hold me over? Sure, I will. Yeah. Back after the following break. Billion people dead, one billion for 
from simple starvation, the rest from preventable diseases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's their own numbers that, that a doctor, a lot, you know, uh, I, I don't know her name. You, I you would understand this is a depopulation program. It's for worldwide. Yes. And this is going to do it right here. Three billions, brother. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, and, and I'll take this off air. I, I'm kind of fed up. I'm a, I, I don't like the fact that they flew planes in the buildings and, and demolished three buildings, and it's seven years later. I feel like I'm being run around in circles. The 9-11 movement, it's stagnate. Uh-huh. Now, I'm of the mind we're going to get nowhere unless we organize, mm-hmm. galvanize the the actual victims you know the people you know we can make this movement immune to the ridicule we're receiving if we have two thousand of the actual victims saying this is an inside job now what is is it a combination of of the the power of the iron curtain of the media and just the runaround of the truth movement what do you think it is and what what if you can give me one, two, three things that need to be done, like to get this out into the open and let the mainstream Americans, you know, they don't understand that the whole the whole symbolism of this act that this, this was an essential act. The symbolism was to change the entire world and our whole standard of living. It isn't just bringing down towers and attacking the Middle East. It's the whole agenda is a, a war on the world for everything. For everything yes. that's ever been uh, your way of life, um, your very life itself, uh, and bringing in a totalitarian regime as never the world has never seen it before in any any country or any empire, we've never seen this kind of totalitarianism being brought in of total observation of every citizen, and they want 24 hours a day eventually. It's like a so, launching pad. What, what's, what, what would be the best way to expose it? I'll take it off the air and further. Uh, we're at the end of the show. But the only way you can expose it is if people did come together, the victims came together. A lot of them have been bought off already, and they promised not to speak about it. But um, that'd be a lot of work. It'd be an awful lot of work. And other groups have to be brought in, too. Well, from Hamish, myself, and uh, Rainy, Ontario, Canada, where the monsoon is, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.